Hello, welcome to the InfraTalk podcast brought to you by Infrastructure Ventures. Come listen in as we talk with policy experts on how we can advance the use of innovative technology in the infrastructure and transportation industry. Why? Because we know we can do better. So sit back or walk the dog, go for a run or grab a cup of coffee and join us for this episode of the InfraTalk podcast. Hello, I'm Greg Netto, publisher of InfraTalk America. Join me for a conversation with Dr. Audrey Copeland, President and CEO of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. This is the InfraTalk America podcast. Napa has been uh, quite involved in advancing uh, e-ticketing as a technology opportunity throughout your industry. So I'd like to talk to you about why that is. Yeah, sure. I think probably where to start is kind of let's let's go back before COVID and before the pandemic and just think about things. And what we saw in the industry is, so we have associate members that support the industry. So several of those, of course, are the technology providers that provide e-ticketing. And companies that were interacting with these providers and starting to use their services, were seeing the benefits um, to their operations and to how they can manage their business. But it hadn't necessarily taken on a full, you know, national, uh, you know, where we were dedicating national resources to it. And then along comes the pandemic, okay? And then it was like, all right, how can we continue to conduct business in a safe manner, given that we're wanting to socially distance and given that there is this possibility that they could even shut down construction sites? So how can we make a construction site as safe as possible and be able to communicate this to those making those type of decisions? And so then it really took on you know, um, a critical uh, implementation phase. And so that's when a lot of contractors began to look at it and to realize the benefits. So I think overall, it started out as safety, uh, getting folks out of the way of the trucks. You know, you had to get out of your truck. You actually had to hand off a ticket. And then they saw the benefits to having that data and information in a faster manner uh, the impact on, you know, their accounting, the impact on their knowledge of the quantities of materials that they've used and how that can impact decisions moving forward, you know, in terms of future bidding and things like that. Having that information at your fingertips, you know. Um, and the then, exactly, <laughs> I know, you know, just simple things like that. Um, and then I think it also took on, um a life in terms of trucking efficiency. And so then there was also like, okay, so now we have this information at our fingertips in terms of material quantities, timing, uh, amounts, things like that. How can we use that to even become more efficient in terms of our trucking? And so that has even implications into the climate and things like that. So, so I guess kind of to wrap it up, I think, Initially, it was just certain members who kind of were like, oh, you know, I'm in on something. You know, I see the benefits of this. I'm willing to invest in it. But then COVID, it really took on, a, oh, my gosh, this is a solution to a challenge right now because I don't want, you know, my folks touching each other, handing things off, you know, out of their truck, things like that. So and that's when we realized how, what a game changer this could be. And so that's why we were willing 
during the pandemic, we went to Federal Highway Administration and we said, this is really important. You know, we need your support here. The industry is behind this. How can we work together to work with the State Department of Transportation? And, and I have to give Federal Highway up uh, loads of credit, the, the ED6 initiative, and including yes. uh, a digital initiative that included e-ticketing in um, uh, as a very specific subset, and then digital as built, which is more in the family of BIM for infrastructure, and the movement that all, that, that kind of commitment has, has, has initiated. Of course, Everyday Counts as a program, you know, I, I've always called it the Everyday Counts Partnership with the states. Mm -hmm. That's key. Exactly. Um, and 43 states adopted the e-ticketing initiative, which, which of course is a, an EDC record. Right. So yeah. uh, literally a movement is mm -hmm. how the other way I like to describe it. So, uh, uh, but having NAPA become, you know, so engaged in it so early, right. an issue I hear about across the country um, in meetings of state departments of transportation. Mm -hmm this chronic challenge of recruiting and retention of, um, of staff and workers and technicians. Um, it's the same story throughout the private sector. So the question is, from your vantage point as a national industry leader, can you leverage that technology um, to both attract the next generation of talent into the industry, along with bridging the gap on how we do more with less. So I think we have to, you know. The unique thing about our industry is that we're building something, right? And so at the end of the day, you can see what you've constructed. You know, we still have uh, members tell us, colleagues, that I'm able to take my family down a road and say, I paved that road. So there's a lot of pride in our industry. Uh, there's a competitive edge, you know, among our members in terms of the jobs they do. And so, but at the same time with this younger generation, they're also, they're not going to be passive. They're going to want to be part of solutions. Okay. They're going to want to be part of the process. And so if you are not doing something in the most efficient manner, or if you are not considering digital technologies, uh, I'm not sure your company is going to be able to keep up in terms of being competitive in the workspace. The younger generation is a lot more in tune with inefficiencies, you know, especially in the digital world. You know, they're growing up not knowing anything but the digital world, so. And even, yeah. the, I mean, the millennials yes. uh, are, you know, achieving a certain place in the organization that is a higher degree of responsibility and in some, in some cases, uh, management. Right. Um, and the millennials grew up yes. with technology exactly. and wouldn't know how to conduct themselves without it. So that influence is already being felt in institutions and, and companies across the country. Yeah. And I think, sorry, if I could add yeah, one more please, thing to that. Please. Sure. I think, too, um, there's opportunities for, you know, there's going to be disruptions to our industry in terms of things that are coming at us in terms of whether it's electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles smart cities. And so if we're already, if we're being able to implement technologies that are going to help us be more efficient, help us be more productive, which we all know the construction industry lags behind in terms of production, then that is going to help us be able to 
overcome the hurdles that some of these disruptions present and will make our industry a lot more exciting in terms of can pavements be used beyond just being surface transportation? Can, you know, they can be, they be used to house uh, energy uh, production. How do we accommodate the autonomous vehicles and things like that? So anyways, I think as we become more adept at implementing technology, it will continue to make our industry more attractive in terms of what we can do with our infrastructure and then also, you know, uh, getting those younger generation into our industry. And the benefits, I mean, you know, going back to sort of e-ticketing specifically, when I first really understood it, when I began to drill down on e-ticketing a couple of years ago, I mean, I spent, uh, you know, 15 years, you know, at the state and federal level administering the federal aid highway program. And uh, so I wasn't exactly a novice, but the, the intricacies of what this technology can do, I have to confess, I didn't fully understand. And I remember in, the, in a prior interview when I was trying to sort of describe what I had learned and, and the impression I had, I used a, a line that sort of just came naturally, which was uh, um, paper tickets are where data go to die. Yeah. And, 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 and in, the, in the piece that we produced, um, our, our brilliant videographer had a drone shot that sort of came over the horizon and, 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 and uh, presented these four or five, you know, uh, freight containers. And inside those freight containers were hundreds of boxes, layers of them stacked five, six, ten high. Uh, and right on the box, it said, destroy 2025. So yeah. literally, they look right. like tombs and literally the place where paper tickets go to die. Yeah. So the technology is going to take that data and, uh, and digitize it. And that data is now going to be available to the institution, to the DOT, um, for their asset management systems in the future, which is something that the federal government has, has certainly encouraged and states have adapted to and are now utilizing uh, extensively. So the partnership between industry, in this case, the producers, the truckers, right. uh, the contractors, all of whom are also benefiting from the use of that data, uh, whether it's to make billing more efficient or their operations more efficient. Um, We've had interviews with uh, uh, with uh, with contractors on the ground who are just saying things like, "I used to have to walk a mile to get to figure out where that last load was right. and whether they were still there." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, from the standpoint of, I mean, I kind of want to look at it from the standpoint of you have members, mm -hmm. producers, um, at, at you know all shapes and sizes mm -hmm. is my guess. The larger, you know probably, you know, in some cases, maybe better resourced, um, or certainly just operationally, uh, it's more of a priority. But how are you sort of, uh, as, a, as an industry leader, as a trade association leader, um, how can the owners of public infrastructure, the DOTs, uh, your, your institutional partners, Federal Highway, how can they help ensure that small producers can participate and not have the technology, you know, from their perspective, viewed as some sort of a burden, right? But really looked at as the performance and safety booster, um, and operational booster that it uh, can be, you know, that's good for their business. 
Is that part of the conversation you're having with your members? Or, or um, so, so you how know, can that yeah. partnership with the public institutions help? Right. I think it, I think it's definitely worth giving thought to. I mean, we actually haven't seen much of a barrier so far. Um, for example, if you uh, look at XBE, uh, who's one of the technology providers for e-ticketing, uh, they have a great suite of videos where they also um, they have all different uh, all different size companies represented. We represent producer companies all the way from the largest that operates in 43 to 45 states all the way down to a person who has one plant. So I think what the DOTs can do is help create an environment where it's encouraged. I don't want to go so far as to say incentivize because I'm not I'm not sure that that's what's needed. Um, I don't know it in detail enough, but encouraging it and making sure that there is a level playing field, you know, because. Uh, the challenge, and this is for any technology, is that we still operate in a low bid environment. So if the DOT can identify where that brings some value and they can somehow build that into the expectations or um, provide encouragement for that, I think that's where you can start to see it help the smaller companies. So, um, and then also educating them. A lot of times it's just, they. Our, the, our, com- our smaller companies, or even the larger companies, they are so focused on the present, you know, getting the project done, uh, meeting the specifications or the standards, that it is hard to look beyond and look at what will benefit them. So I think helping educate them, um, helping them realize the return on investment and the value they will get out of this technology. And so I think what I'll say there is that our associate members that are the ones that support the industry and the technology providers, I have found that they are so knowledgeable in this area and they are so willing to go and work with these companies and educate them that I think that's where the opportunity is, is um, the states somehow being part of that conversation where you're bringing the private industry together with the contractor to educate them and then also having state DOT involved. A great example of that, we we recently were in Columbus, Ohio, it was a meeting with a, a number of producers in the aggregate industry. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful conversation about it. It was the DOT saying, bring us your challenges, your obstacles. Let us help you understand what we're after and help us understand what you're after. Because only in this collaboration will we be successful. So they're having meetings like that with mm-hmm. trade organizations and their members. And they have a weekly morning meeting every Tuesday, um, and it's blocked off. Any uh, producer, contractor who has an issue can call into that meeting and have the issue shared and dealt with literally on the spot. It's a great example of what you're talking about, where that outreach and education and engagement uh, is essential uh, to advancing uh, innovation. In, uh, particularly in the fed, what I call the federal aid highway program marketplace, right. which involves obviously the federal uh, federal highway administration as the funder, state DOTs as the principal agency uh, administering the state program and overseeing the administration of the local programs. Right. So uh, that engagement is just critical, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we're, we're seeing that kind of commitment on behalf of the, of the DOTs working with the industry folks like that. Right. Is that something your members, 
are seeing or, or would like to see more of? Do you see oh. that example in, in other places in the country? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, all across the country, we see that there can be success with bringing, one, bringing everyone to the table at, at the beginning, whether it's a project, whether you're getting ready to implement a new technology policy, whatever it is. And so that's where our, we have state asphalt pavement associations. Uh, there's 39 across the country. They are not chapters of us. They are all independent, but that is where they become so critical. Um, we obviously work very closely with them, but they truly, um, you know, help uh, ha develop that relationship between the contractors and the DOTs. And that is where we see a lot of success. So, for example, back when I was with Federal Highway Administration, I remember we were pushing uh, recycled asphalt pavements. We were pushing warm mix asphalt. And we decided to host a meeting between the DOT and the contractor uh, for one of the port projects where they wanted to go use higher reclaimed asphalt pavement. And uh, the DOT okayed it. You know, once you were able to sit in the same room, have a conversation about, you know, this is the benefits, again, the value this will provide, it really worked out and, and made for a successful project. And so through our state asphalt pavement associations, that's where we really see that playing out. So, and there's also, I'll, I'll add one more thing. We've got user producer groups across the regions that come bring industry as well as the DOTs together. Um, and those have proved to be very successful in terms of advancing technologies, getting the word out about e-ticketing, things like that. Uh, also, academics are brought into the room as well. And so, Is that something unique to your organization? It's a brilliant idea. No, actually, it's probably more the DOTs and it's FHWA really that. that does it. They're All actually right. the ones. So they're but industry you. helps plan it. Like in so, and it depends on the region. In yeah. some regions, it's more planned by a DOT. Like, for example, the Northeast, I think the Connecticut DOT was a leader in it. Um, in the Southeast, it's um, run by an industry person. In the North Central region, we were actually just asked through our Asphalt Pavement Alliance to help. Uh, support that. And so it varies by region, but it is it is a brilliant idea. And with help from the government to support these, it really can go a long ways in terms of implementing technology. What a great segue. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about climate uh, and some amazing work that uh, you're leading and NAPA is leading. Um, but I want to segue into that uh, you just brought up uh, warm mix asphalt, yeah. which was um, when I became deputy administrator of Federal Highway, we had, uh, with uh, yeah. my old boss, um, um, administrator uh, Victor Mendez, he had come in as a, as the former uh, director of Arizona DOT, mm -hmm. and I was deputy commissioner at Maine DOT. Mm -hmm. So we had both come from DOTs. We knew who, who administered projects, <laughs> and it wasn't even the DOTs, it was contractors. It was the private sector. That partnership was critical, and we understood that. The focus was on how do we engage with the private sector, with the public sector, uh, with DOTs in this case, to advance innovation and technology. And that's, you know, basically that process yielded what we now, what became Everyday Counts. And uh, in the first round of Everyday Counts in 2010, you were a materials engineer mm -hmm. at the Federal Highway, your first job, as I recall, um, out of college. Um, and that was before you got your PhD. <laughs> um, 
And um, I remember the conversations early on and being so impressed with the notion of warm mix asphalt that you, you know, it, it would uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions in production. It, would, it enabled paving later into the exactly. season and yep. being from Maine and, uh, you know, one of the colder weather states. Mm -hmm. I could appreciate that. Um, the benefits were just uh, extraordinary. Um, and of course, my reaction was, what are we waiting for? <laughs> and the, 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 the key was the collaboration among the states, which um, state DOTs have an extraordinary and unique ability to make a market overnight. And 52 state institutions decide to do something and make a commitment to using more mixed asphalt for whatever reason. Whether it was a good business decision because you could pay longer in cold weather states or simply to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and a number of other benefits. Um, and and the, the key was creating that market demand, exactly. which of course made it easier for producers to make investments in plant and equipment to make it happen. So in a very few years, I remember the first... Um, at, at that time in 2010, Warmix asphalt represented about 4% mm -hmm. of total asphalt production. And can you sort of describe as an example of government and private sector collaboration and advancing a, a technology, um, what, what, has ha what has happened since? What has been the impact of that collaboration? Sure. And actually, before I get to that, just speaking to one thing, um, one of the things I've learned, because you went back to, you know, when I was a materials engineer, and one of the things I've learned over the years, especially working with the state DOTs, is in some cases, if you can get to the leadership, such as the chief engineer, or maybe even higher up, and show them value, you know, or how, how is it going to save them time or save them money? They're interested. And I think that's really what EDC has done, is been able to get these technologies to that level of decision makers where states can actually open up to these technologies sooner and faster. And so Warm Mix was the original example. Um, you know, the industry had first identified this as a possibility when there were concerns about uh, the environment you know, worker safety, things like that in the plant. We wanted to start looking for technologies where we could reduce temperatures and things like that. So uh, the industry identified this as a technology and started implementing it maybe on the commercial side. But the, the challenge was the state DOTs weren't knowledgeable of it and their specs weren't really open to it. And so Federal Highway Administration, they realized the benefit of this. And so what happened is something that we've done over the years is establish a joint industry government task force. And FHWA at the time was doing a really good job putting those together. And so they had put together one for warm mix asphalt. But it was still a challenge getting some traction with the state DOTs. And so I think that's where EDC came in again, and it elevated this technology to those decision makers and policy makers, uh, whether they're at the national level or whether they were at the DOT level or local level. So the specs started opening up. And so it was that partnership to educate folks on it, 
to um, flush out the technology, because that's another thing. It, it, at one time, it was an unknown. So there needed to be some research done uh, to make sure that you would still get performance. There needed to be um, considerations in terms of cost and the different technologies and things like that. Um, you know, what is the effect on the pavement performance long term? And so that's where that technical working group came in. There was money dedicated through the National uh, uh, Highway Cooperative Program for the Transportation Research Board. And I don't think any of that would have happened in terms of all those resources and in terms of having that information readily available without that partnership and then without the, the push from Everyday Counts. So, which was really uh, what you had originally envisioned, uh, you and Victor, was, you know, being able to, because um, I think at the time there was this challenge where whatever might have been being researched was not getting implemented. You know, it was kind of left on a shelf. And so that's, that's what that, what Everyday Counts created. And I'll admit, because I, you know, I was an engineer at FHWA at the time, and I had not been at FHWA long, but you know, you know, an administrator comes in and a deputy administrator, and you're kind of like, okay, is this just their thing, you know? But I have to give you kudos. I mean, Everyday Counts has endured, and it is still a, such a relevant program. I mean, look, here we, we're talking about warm mix asphalt, which is now 40% of the market. That is unheard of in the pavement industry for a technology to become 40% of a market within 10 years or so, 10, 15 years. And, and then now we're talking about e-ticketing. And you said yourself, it went from just, you know, less than 10 states just two to three years ago, and now it's 43 states. So, you know, kudos to and you. And in two Victor to three for, years, I, right. I think it's going to be it, sort of you know, standard. Right. Um, and that is remarkable technology. It is. And, and, it, and I give the DOTs a lot of credit yeah. because that's where it happens. Right. And but Federal Highways leadership uh, continues to be extraordinary. You know, Kent Wiesner, who's the, the, the lead person on the e-ticketing initiative, and David Unkefer, who's doing the Digital Ads Built initiative, uh, you know, they've been part of, e, uh, of EDC initiatives, you know, from the Resource Center. Um, uh, since the beginning, right. I think Kat says she's she only she, she's been involved in every round of EDC except <laughs> the first. One. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think David is similar. Uh, so it, it's uh, uh, the, the, the institutional commitment the Federal Highway made that continued after we were right. gone was critically important. Mm -hmm. um, so but, you know, that, that collaboration with the states, the national innovation initiative, the collaboration between that organization that's chaired by uh, uh, Deputy Secretary of Delaware. It's uh, it, it's this it's the ongoing institutional commitment that's critical right. because you need that consistency going forward. But uh, thank you for sharing yeah. that example because uh, if if you look back and and at all of these initiatives and you start measuring the benefits, mm -hmm. in the case of warm mix asphalt, uh, how would you measure the benefits? Just from sure. a uh, let's just take one one element the. The reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Right. What sort of measure do we have to, sh to demonstrate what impact? Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And actually, what I would say is it's almost a two-phase thing. So, with the initial implementation of warm mix asphalt, what we really saw the unexpected benefit was being able to get compaction, where you can, you know, maybe take a roller off, or you can extend the paving season. And so, I think that initially, you know, 
took it to where it's 30 to 40% of the market. The second phase, which is what I'm getting to your question in terms of greenhouse gases, is where we really need to focus on reducing the temperatures. So right now, you know, we're at a little over 40% of the market. If you combine warm mix asphalt use with the use of reclaimed asphalt pavement, in just one year, you're taking 600,000 cars off the road. So if, and that's just, that's with minimal temperature reduction right now. Yeah. So let's say we can get the temperature reduction up to 20 degrees lower, 30, which we know we can, we know we can. So this next push of really realizing the benefits of temperature reduction, you're, you're just going to magnify that. Double and, it and is more. that ongoing so, research? Yes. Uh, yeah. Long-term uh, pavement program. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that we other, have the capabilities now yeah. to do it. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, making sure you get the performance you need. And be, I guess it's more the DOTs, again, opening up their specs because some DOTs have put limitations in terms of temperature reduction. Right. And so, again, opening up those specs to where, you know, really what it boils down to, Greg, is as an industry, we would really like to get to the point where the DOT can focus on the end product. What do you want at the end? And then let us focus on how we get you there. You know, let's build that trust. And you focus on what you want in the end, the quality, the performance, and then let the industry figure out what temperature, what materials, things like that. And, you know, it's hard to, uh, there, there are a lot of elements to the Federal Aid Highway Program that are essential, but it's, it's, it's hard to name a, something that is more fundamental and basic than asphalt um, in terms of, you know, one of the principal responsibilities of, of state and local uh, highway agencies, especially. Um, you have a program called the Road Forward. And can you tell us about that? I think I'd describe it as a, an extraordinary commitment to the climate and I, that you've just recently launched. Exactly. So can you tell us about it? Yeah, we just unveiled it in February of this year. And it is the asphalt pavement industry's commitment to going net zero by 2050. So, and you're right, it is huge. Um, it is a member-driven process where we have identified four goal areas that is going to get our industry to net zero. And that's whatever, you know, we can do in our process. That's whatever we can do within the supply chain in terms of the energy we use, whatever we may need to do in the future also to fill the gaps. And so I guess what that boils down to is we may not have all the answers today, but as an industry, we have committed to working towards net zero by 2050. And, and like I said, this was a member-driven process. Our members have embraced this. Um, they realize that it is the right thing to do uh, for our country, for our world. And then it's also vital to our industry uh, to continue to be a solution and to can you continue to be competitive. So yes, it's something that we are extremely excited about. I must give kudos. Our the leader of that was Ron Sines with CRH. He led our member task force on that. And then our head engineer, Richard Willis, and our director of sustainability, Joseph Shackett, uh, they all demonstrated superior leadership, not only in the development of the program, but also in the rollout and education of our members. And 
Um, even our partners are excited about this, you know, talking with the state DOTs, talking with Federal Highway Administration. You know, they now can, you know, they have the knowledge that asphalt is a low carbon pavement solution and they know how we can help them achieve their goals in terms of climate change and reducing carbon as well. What you're doing is amazing. Um, I'm just so pleased as, as, as we've all back in the, back in the day at yeah. Federal <laughs> Highway and watched you advance in this industry. Um, just, you know, if you could reflect as, you know, as we close, I could keep talking to you about this all day, sure. but we don't have all day. Um, just kind of reflect where where you are now leading this industry. You're, you're obviously part of a broader network of industry leaders across the country. Um, we now have this, you know, finally this amazing infrastructure bill yeah. and, and um, some impressive funding, notwithstanding inflation and right. how it might oh, yeah. impact some of the yeah. production. Um, it, it, that's, you know, I'm quite sure that's a temporary situation and it's a five-year bill. So it sounds a little bit selfish, but we just got this major infrastructure bill and funding for five years, but five years will become four years very soon. And all of a sudden we're going to be looking at, an, at another uh, reauthorization period. Um, from the standpoint of funding, um, do you, do you, what's your take on what we ought to be preparing for, for years? a similar kind of investment? which is frankly what I believe is at a minimum necessary. Uh, we simply, you know, if, if this is, you know, this ought to be the new base, right. uh, which is always difficult. But as an industry, are you already engaged with your fellow industry mm -hmm. members thinking about preparing for that next conversation about major infrastructure investment? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We are part of like the Transportation Construction Coalition and, they, we are already thinking about the future. And I think, I think you're right. I think this kind of establishes a baseline. Um, it, we, can't, you, we don't want to go backwards. I mean, we're already at a crisis in some ways in terms of our infrastructure. Um, and our nation values our mobility and things like that. I think the hard question, of course, is going to be how to fund it moving forward. You know? um, and so we... As an industry, we used to say, hey, we'll just support any, you know, um, any solution. And we were a bit ambiguous. Uh, what we've been talking among the transportation CEOs, material CEOs, is maybe we do need to get a little bit more serious and put our weight behind a certain solution. Um, and so that's those are part of our discussions. Yep. Um, Which is, of we, course, a funding solution. Exactly. An ongoing funding exactly. solution. Exactly. Moving forward. Which yeah. Is, I mean, obviously, we'd love it if people would just, if they would increase the gas tax, but then but you're still getting, it's getting eaten into by, you know, electric right. vehicles right. and stuff like right. that. So, um, but yeah, but for this bill right now, we are extremely excited. Um, it's a... Uh, it is significant funding. It's also a game changer in terms of how we think of infrastructure, whether it's advancing technologies, like you say, and thinking about uh, the climate. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunities that DOTs, as well as contractors, are going to have to think about in terms of the funding available, even in the, the most recent, the Inflation Reduction Act as well. So, um, so anyway, so yes, 
you know, inflation tough right now, supply chain tough, the labor market is always very tough, but there is a lot of optimism in terms of what we're going to accomplish over the next five years. So, and that we are positioned well in terms of providing the solutions to meet the goals of that, that legislation. So. Terrific. Just to thank you, Dr. Copeland uh, <laughs> and uh, Napa. I mean, I remember back in the day, um, it was one of my early experiences working with an industry group and have worked with many, many since uh, and learned to appreciate the value of that collaboration. And I've long advocated uh, that um, certainly at Federal Highway and in other roles I've played in government, that that collaboration with the private sector is just so critical. Oh, yeah. More critical than, than mo most cases when you understand how projects are delivered. Um, the private sector is essential to that process, from materials to the project delivery, and the technology side of the business is uh, is is capturing such uh, um, uh, significant attention from all concerned. And uh, your 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 explanation of NAPA's role and commitment to this is yeah. just ensuring that we say. Yeah. We, uh, we completely believe in the partnership. That's where we've seen the most success. And uh, again, we, you know, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We all want to provide, you know, sound infrastructure pavements uh, for the traveling community. And if there's ways to realize efficiencies there, uh, we are all game. So, yeah, we uh, we appreciate being a partner in this and, and providing well, solutions. Well, you've been CEO so, yeah. of NAPA for three years now. Yes. And no, uh, I'm, I'm quite sure this industry is in terrific hands <laughs> um, as you as you become the next generation of leadership yeah. on an organization like this. And that's critically important. Um, and uh, you're bringing a... Uh, an amazing perspective, uh, given your background and your, 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 the activities that you spent. So wow. thank you very well, much. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for listening in to our first three episodes of the InfraTalk podcast. We invite you to join us in the new year when we will continue our season with compelling and new conversations with industry leaders and experts who are working to advance the future of transportation infrastructure in America. In the meantime, we hope this discussion inspires you to ask your own questions and encourages you to have discussions with policymakers and your peers. If you want to know more about InfraTalk America, visit us at infratalkamerica.com or follow us on social media at InfraTalk USA or subscribe to the InfraTalk podcast on your favorite listening platform to be notified of all new episodes and features. And remember, every innovation starts with a conversation. So let's start talking. <laughs>